hello, good day, and welcome to the Sports Bar Debates Podcast. My name is Kyle Hewson, and I'm still your host. This episode, however, I have a new guest. I'm super excited to be joined by a good friend and a former teammate on a hockey team with a Photoshop logo of Phil Kessel hoisting a hot dog above his head instead of the Stanley Cup, Danny Tallis. How's it going, Danny? How's it going, bud? I miss those days. I was, we were a terrible team. Our first season, I think we never won a game. But No, we, I only played the one season, so we definitely won a game. I highly doubt that, but we had the best logos in the, in the league for sure. And the most fun. Absolutely. You, me, and Connor. That was a lot of those. <laughs> All right, we'll get to our main debate topic, sports fiercest rivalries. But unlike when we played beer league hockey, we need a bit of a warm-up first. So we've got a fun question to get us started. Are you ready, Danny? Absolutely. Who is your favorite athlete of all time? Oof. So hard to just pick one, but, you know, obviously, you know me, I'm going to stick with hockey. And I'm going to say Joe Sackick of the Colorado Avalanche. Good choice. Love the guy. Loved watching him play. He was so smooth and best playmaker, best vision on the ice for sure. So That wrist yeah. shot. Oh, his wrist shot was amazing. You know, at least he won a Stanley Cup, which is hard to say for a lot of other people who are amazing and just could not win that cup. But... Yeah, I would have to say Joe Sackix, my uh, my number one. Still have his jersey, the original, uh, before they went with the baby blue uh, font and gloves and helmet, which I'm not entirely sure why they did that. But yeah, Joe Sackick for sure. What about yours? So I also went with a hockey player from that era. I went with somebody from the Leafs because obviously it's somebody watched a lot. Although I did like Colorado, I did like Sackick and obviously enjoyed watching him play for Canada a lot as well. Mine's Matt Sundin. Captain of the Leafs growing up, uh, resulting in obviously some of my most uh, memorable moments as a kid, I'd say, especially watching watching the Leafs. It was the only time that they were good. They haven't been good since. Um, <laughs> but I'd say the, the moment that takes the cake for me is seeing him score that 500th goal. It was a hat-trick goal in overtime against Calgary. Mm-hmm. Just came down the came down the wing and took, a, and took a slap shot from like the top of the circle on a, essentially a breakaway on a one-on-one. Uh, I was devastated when he signed with Vancouver and I think it was 2008, but at least it was Montreal because they were the other team rumored to be in the mix and that would have been devastating. So, uh, you know, Toronto legend just seemed like a a stand up guy. Yeah. Um, I love that all yellow TPS response stick. Yeah, that was was the best stick. That was iconic. That and the uh, the silver Eastern synergy. Oh, I remember when I got one of those, my dad bought it for me. I was so happy. I think in a couple months I broke it after. So it was uh bittersweet, but overall, you know, some of the, you, you see a lot of these players with these sticks and it's like, man, I wish I had that. And then you go to the store, it's like $400 for that stick. I'm like, yeah, I'll pick the hundred dollar stick. Thank you very much. I specifically remember. So I had the silver Eastern synergy. My grandfather bought it for me. It was the silver Eastern synergy the yellow Eastern Synergy, which was gripped, and then the orange one, and they were like 199 229 and 259 or something. Yeah. The problem was I was 11, and as a kid, I was like four foot three in middle school. So I didn't break the stick, but I also only used it for a couple months because then I grew out of it. Yeah, I and even the uh, the shafts, I think, were called the synthesis. They wanted to distinguish the difference between the full one-piece and I think that's when they started doing a lot of the full one pieces. That too. was that was one of the first full pieces. Yeah. I remember the first like carbon fiber stick I'd got before was a two piece. It was a typhoon. Yeah, an the Eastern, typhoon. An Eastern typhoon with a wooden blade. 
started using that for road hockey when I got the Synergy and it was an actual one piece, like full carbon fiber stick. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this brand, but my favorite two piece stick I used, it was called Hespler. Yep. Back in the day, it was all black. It was a red and silver. Right? Red, red and white logo. Red and white. I remember that and the the wooden blades. You don't get any carbon fiber blades anymore, any uh, any graphite blades. Everything is one piece. So if you can go out and find a shaft somewhere, I'd be surprised. Maybe like play it again hockey. You could try it. Without further ado, grab a drink, kick back, and let's dive into this week's debate. 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 Whether they're based on historical hatred, close geographic proximity, have formed due to epic playoff battles, sports is a breeding ground for intense rivalries. Today, we're going to rate what we think are the fiercest rivalries in sports. When you play against another team often enough, you're going to learn to dislike who you're going up against. Like in previous episodes, we might not rank these specifically five to one, but we'll go back and forth until we kind of land on a maybe a consensus or, or until we've kind of run out of, of ideas here. Uh, so as my guest and first-time podcaster, I'll show you how it's done. Oh. I'll go first. <laughs> I'm excited for a second. No, you're going to be nice about it. I'm not handing the baton off. I, I'm going to go with the Celtics and Lakers. And listen, if you had this on your list, then feel free to add on to it after I've done here. I'm going Celtics and Lakers. They've met in a record 12 finals. Uh, the Celtics went 9-3, and three, or have gone 9-3, and three, so they've won 9 of those 12 battles, but the Lakers have won 3 of the last 4. So for a lot of fans of the Kobe-Shaq era and you know Kobe-Powell eras, they think that the Lakers might be a, a better team in the, over the history of the NBA, but the Celtics won so many in the in the 50s and 60s that it's, it's hard to compare. So anyways, really intense rivalry. They met in 7 of 11 finals from, like I said, 59 to 69. The Celtics won all 7 in addition to 10 in those 11 years, and three of the four finals these two teams met from 84 to 87, which was the famed Magic versus Bird era in the NBA. They traded titles in 2008-2010, and they are tied currently. As of recording, the Boston Celtics are in Game 3 against the Golden State Warriors. By the time you hear this, we will know who the winner is, but as of recording, these two teams are tied with the most NBA championships at 17. Oh, absolutely. If you think NBA championships altogether or just NBA in, in general, you're either going to pick Boston or LA Lakers for sure. And I did have that on my list thinking about these two teams and you can kind of see it on uh, if you have HBO, you see the winning time show, which I, I must say fantastic so far. But you know, these, these teams first met back in 48 and they've had a total of 370 meetings and you know, they're the regular season. It, it's actually a pretty close matchup between it's only it's a 163 to 133 in favor of boston winning but you also have to think too that era of uh when they took la to the the playoffs and uh, and the finals and throughout the regular season you know the whole jerry west era for the lakers it it was a it wasn't very good for the lakers back then but in the postseason, you know, it's even it's even closer, 43 to 31 for Boston in terms of wins. But, you know, like you said, the Kobe and uh, Gasol era, that was what was that? 2008, I think it was uh, Kobe Gasol versus uh, Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett. And then you had the Magic versus Bird in the 80s, which, you know, if that's that can't be any more entertaining than than it was for that type of time. And then even further back in 69, you had Bill Russell versus Wilt Chamberlain. That, you know, I felt like that was the beginning of 
that huge rivalry there because you had two brand name all-star players going head to head against each other. So, you know, definitely I would say is one of the top rivalries for uh, in sports history for sure. Yeah, I think like you mentioned, it's it, there's a lot of iconic matchups between two star players more so like if you named rivalries in the nba just between two players like magic and birds probably number one uh in terms of uh, two different teams Shaq and kobe being on the same team pretty big rivalry there as well but also two iconic jerseys as well like if you think of an nba jersey you're probably going yellow and gold of of the lakers or the green and white for the celtics so um yeah i think it was a a good choice to to start off our our debate here so we kind of landed on on the same one. I had a feeling you'd have this one. It is, like I said, iconic. But let's hear, uh, let's hear one that you've got here. So I'm going to go with something a little bit different that you wouldn't expect me to do. You know I'm not a huge fan of soccer. I'll watch it, and I do thank you for taking me to see a TFC game one time. Best time I've ever had. But I'm going to say instead of teams, I'm going to say Messi versus Ronaldo. Interesting. I, I kind of figured you'd like this one because you wouldn't see me talking about soccer. But, you know, in terms of these two players, both of them are really close within Champions League titles. Uh, I think Messi's got more of the Golden Horseshoe uh, awards over Ronaldo, but... Golden golden Boot. Golden Boot. Um, see, you can tell I don't play soccer or watch soccer. and They should call it the Golden Horseshoe, though, and then just award it in Toronto every year. Bring all the stars in. <laughs> I did call it just the Golden Shoe, though. You so. said Horseshoe. I just said Horseshoe? I can oh, play it back yeah. for you later. Don't no, you. thanks. I'm good. Um, but, you know, in terms of... If you're talking about Playmaker and and, you know all-around player i see messi as being that all-around player he's he's got almost 800 goals uh 300 close to 350 assists almost a thousand appearances that's a lot for for that little guy out there coming out of argentina but then you got ronaldo who's got 800 goals 200 assists so clearly he doesn't like passing the ball but almost 1100 appearances in in games so you know, if we're talking about more dominant goal score, you'd probably be looking at Ronaldo. If you're looking for best all-around player and, you know, overall captain, I would definitely go Messi for sure. The thing with these two is they contrast each other so much in style. You've got this, like, elegant grace of Messi who just kind of slips between defenses and this, like, superhuman power of Ronaldo uh one's like six foot three the other one's five foot seven uh so they do contrast each other quite a bit as to whether or not they're like super fierce rivals with one another just again being somebody who watches a lot of soccer you'd you'd think so especially in the uh late 2000s early teens uh like you said they traded golden boot awards pretty much one versus the other golden horseshoe (laughs) back back and forth their team's It seemed every year one team won the Champions League uh, while the other one would win the next year. But they've kind of come around where they, it seems like they have this kind of mutual respect for each other now uh, and and kind of understand that, you know, we're in this golden era of of soccer and you'd be lucky to get one of these players in a lifetime Mm -hmm. in a a generation, let alone two uh, being dominant against each other or or together uh, in the same context for so long. So um interesting choice i didn't think you'd go that way at all i didn't think you'd go soccer i do have some soccer on my list i'll go with one next that that does not surprise me that you have soccer on your list i'll go with one next and that's galatasaray versus fenerbahce never heard of them (laughs) two two turkish teams it's called the intercontinental derby 
Uh, one is from the European side of Turkey. The other one is from the Asian side of Turkey. So a natural rivalry formed there. These games are always sold out, have more than 50,000 fans at every game. But unfortunately, violence plagues these fan bases and the history of this rivalry. It's what makes it a fierce rivalry, including racist taunts, fighting in the stadium, and even a post-game stabbing eventually resulting in death in 2013 of a fan. So if there's fans that are, are at this level, unfortunately, I think it's it's taking it a little bit too far. Uh, the other interesting aspect of this rivalry is it extends beyond soccer in Europe. Real Madrid's Barcelona's, they have basketball teams. So do these two. So they have basketball rivalries. They have volleyball rivalries. However, it is the most competitive in soccer. It's 22 titles for Galatasaray and 19 for Fenerbahce. Wow. So out of the, you know, 90 years of the Turkish league, they've won almost half of them between the two of them and, and only three separate them. So um, you've got the, the fan angle from one side You've got the competitive angle on the soccer pitch, but also extending to the court with volleyball and basketball and things like Dragon Boat and other things that they compete in. Uh, but I'm specifically focusing on the Intercontinental Derby in football, soccer. Yeah, when, when you are that dedicated of a fan where you're literally stabbing someone for your team and willing to go to jail for them, that that's a little too much for my liking. You know, it's it's interesting to see like outside of personally, just because I don't watch that much soccer outside of Canada, seeing that type of fierce rivalry where it's like violence uh, occurs on the field and off the field. It's it's nuts just to hear that. Yeah, pretty fierce. What you got next? So I'll go back to hockey just because, you know, it's my bread and butter. And uh, as much as I want to do two teams, I have to do, you know, two of the top players in the league right now. And I feel like if you talk to anybody about, you know, rivalries in the present day, you're going to be talking about Crosby and Ovechkin. Those guys between each other each have about 1,300 points in just under, just over 1,000 games, actually. I think Crosby has less games because of a winter classic injury back in, I think it was like mid-20-teens or something like that. And he was out for quite a while. So Ovechkin was kind of dominating the the rank after that and you know for him to start getting closer and closer to Gretzky's record of all-time goals it's for someone to do that in in uh, today's uh, game is unhuman like I think what was it last year or the year before he got two hat tricks back to back like day after day and at the age of like 35 exactly like he's and you know I, I will say Crosby you know as captain material and and he is your all-around player he he's a Great vision, great captain, uh, won, won the Olympics, won the Stanley Cup, won a world championship. He's he's done a lot for his career. And, you know, Ovechkin finally getting that, uh, that taste of victory uh, with a Stanley Cup win. But these two guys are always going to be going at it head to head. You know, you, you see Ovechkin, nine Rocket Richard trophies. I don't think anyone has ever gotten double digits. I don't even th- has, I don't even think uh, Rocket Richard himself has even uh, eclipsed uh, total league goals like that. But for someone to get nine of the same trophy and just being that dominant, I definitely think he's going to get ten for sure. Whether it be before or after he breaks Gretzky's record, um, but you know Crosby all around. You got uh, two uh, Rocket Richard trophies, three Ted Lindsay trophies. If you look up captain in the dictionary, you're going to see Crosby in there just because he he's that top player. But 
you know, Crosby does edge out Ovechkin just because he's got two more cups than him. But that that's a, a great rivalry to watch there. I'll watch that any day. Very similar to the Messi-Ronaldo in terms of, like, you've got, like, your out-and-out goal scorer, and then mm-hmm. you've got, like, the player you'd probably more want on your team. Yeah. I think it's also interesting that Crosby was this kind of, at least to Canadians, the second coming of Gretzky when he, yeah. was, when he was young. So it'll be interesting to see if Ovechkin is able to eclipse that record. I think he has a solid shot. I did not think I'd see that in my lifetime, somebody breaking that Gretzky goals record. Obviously, nobody's going to break his points record because he is... It's something ridiculous. Like if you take away his take goals, away his goals, he still has he yeah. still has more points than anybody else in history. So you won't see somebody pass the points record. But the fact that Ovechkin's getting that close with goals is is going to be something interesting to watch. I also agree, like I said with or, or like I said previously with Messi Ronaldo, it's kind of that respect between the two of them now. Absolutely, I think it's just with age, right? When you're a little young and hot headed, people kind of pitted them against each other for the sake of the media. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily know that these guys dislike each other canada russia maybe had part to play but um yeah i mean another another rivalry another another pivot off of teams i've only got teams here my next one uh is going into college oh and that's the north carolina tar heels and the duke blue devils so while they're rivals across all sports because in varsity sports you have you know 20 different teams men's and women's included It's primarily basketball and men's basketball for these two. They're separated by eight miles along what's called Tobacco Road in North Carolina. Duke's a private university. Carolina's a public university. They've met 256 times in like that Celtics-Lakers rivalry. Very close. UNC's won 141, Duke 115. They had never met in the NCAA tournament until this year. So I guess that stat's changed now because UNC won that game. So it would be 142 to 115. But that was the first time they'd ever met in the NCAA tournament, uh, which is surprising. But they usually get paired on separate sides of the bracket, so they'd have to go yeah. pretty fucking far in the competition to play each other. Uh, UNC has six national titles, five runners-up. Duke has five, nas- five national titles. Why did I say five? Has five national titles. <laughs> Duke has five titles and six runners-up, almost equal number of Final Fours. A- and recently, one or the other has reached the Elite Eight in the NCAA March Madness Tournament in 15 of the last 18 years. Three championships for UNC, two for Duke in those in those 17 years. Another one where the fans out and out hate each other. Well, You're either for one or for the other. Like I said, that public-private part plays a big a big role and uh, and kind of divides the, the state and the city in half. So I think it's a, a pretty... Fierce rivalry between North Carolina and Duke. Yeah, I love watching uh, UNC and Duke playing all the time. Like it, it's such a great like you see the the future of the NBA just in in and like you said, it's it's not just basketball. They they their rivalry is all across college sports. They they definitely just don't like each other. But Stop basketball it. is the has to be the the biggest one for those two schools meeting in in um, the March Madness, especially this year. That that game was a close game as well, and you know, kind of came came down to the to the wire on that one. But you know, love watching both of these teams go and seeing these these guys able to just all go to all out war against each other, and even the fans. I love the fact that I think it's UNC's fans where when Duke's at the line, they all have like newspapers, not even paying attention to them. But you know, overall, you know, those two great teams to watch all the time. I'm glad that the game this year and the tournament lived up to the billing and it wasn't like a blowout one way or the other. A lot of people thought Duke would win and they didn't. Yeah. Great for me because I'm a UNC fan. But <laughs> for sure. I just 
I'm glad it was a close game. I'm glad it wasn't a, a blowout and, you know, ho-hum. It's also Coach K's last game for Duke. Yeah. And the last game that they played at Cameron Indoor Stadium, which is their, their home court, was also against UNC, and they also lost that. So they UNC fans, despite having what a lot of people thought was a worse year this year, were able to beat him in his last two games against them. So they'll be able to hang, hang that over his head, unless he comes back, which is, you know, Always possible. I, uh, I don't know. For someone, he's been with uh, Duke for how long? 40, 40 years? 40 years. 43. Yeah, for someone to have that many years of commitment <laughs> and then losing two games to your school's top rival, I don't know. I think you should just, you know, call it a day or call it a career after that. But, you know, props to Coach K for all of his years of experience and, and uh, just dealing with, you know, the many different talents coming out of Duke. So, like, like you said, it was a bittersweet ending for, for Coach K and in that game but what you you never know one year it's UNC beating Duke the next year it's Duke being UNC it's just it's a toss up in the air yeah. all right what you got next i have i'm going to stick with hockey again because you know why not a little sore spot for for you i'll say it's the good old Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Montreal Canadiens these guys met December 26, 1917. That was their first meeting against each other. Ultimately, ended up in a fight. But other than that, you know, it's they, they, these guys have had 837 meetings since then. The largest win, and I thought this was actually a, a good stat to look at, back in 1944. Who do you think won, Montreal or Toronto? Probably Toronto. Ooh. I'm sorry, you're wrong. Montreal won by a whopping score of 11 nothing. All of Toronto's players were fighting the war. Montreal wouldn't go. Yeah, sure. Okay, there. <laughs> but other than that, you know, Montreal was always the dominant team. Yeah, you have to think. They had a lot of all-stars on, on that roster over there throughout the years. Not saying Toronto didn't have any any uh, all-stars there. They definitely did. You know, like you said, your favorite player, Matt Sundin there. But, you know, Montreal was just always the dominant team. And every time these guys play, it's it's always so much fun to watch. You, you think about the past and you, you look at the banners up in the in the top of the arena and think, man this is just going to go on forever and ever and now you're looking at this year's generations of matthews versus caulfield or uh was it marner versus suzuki who knows if carrie price is going to be there next year other than that you know it's it's a i don't think in terms of hockey that's probably one of the toughest or one of the most exciting games to watch in terms of uh rivalries there i'd say it's dialed down a bit yeah like you said recently it's not the the days of you know there were six teams in the league and they played each other all the time and absolutely hated each other. They still play each other a lot, yeah. but you don't see in hockey in general, the same all out crazy passion. And you see, you see the passion, but you don't see it in the same spades that you saw it in the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. Like even if we look at the battle of Alberta back then and they'd, there'd be blood on the ice every game. Yeah. Uh, you don't see that anymore. Maybe it's for the better because it's a more entertaining actual game to watch because there's more skill involved rather than just hacking and throwing your weight around. But um, it has changed a little bit. One that I have here, also hockey, but is probably picked up more recently than in the past, and that's Canada versus USA hockey. Oh, yeah. And that's men's and women's. So in Olympic gold medal matchups for men's, 19, 20, 24, 32, and 52. 2002 and 2010, Canada 6-0. 
again, people think of Canada as this powerhouse hockey team, but the United States are pretty fucking good too. Women's Olympics, they met in every Women's Olympics other than 2006. Canada is 4-2. and And in Women's World Hockey Championships other than 2019, when Finland beat Canada, surprisingly, they've met in every in every iteration of that as well. So pretty much every gold medal game in women's hockey is Canada versus USA. Canada's four and two in, in the Olympics and 11 and eight in the world championship. The pinnacle though, for me is the 2010 Olympics. Canada lose to the US in the round robin in men's, but then Crosby scores the golden goal and wins it in overtime mm-hmm. in this crazy dramatic game in Vancouver too. It's not like it was overseas and you know, I had to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to watch the game. It was, it was in our own in our own yard, and, and we were able to beat them. The women also won gold, beating the U.S. 2-0 in the final. So we, we double gold over the U.S. It's not even like, oh, one of, the, one of our teams won gold because we beat Sweden, and the other one, beat, they both beat the U.S. The most impressive part about the women's rivalry is that they always seem to handily beat every other country. Like I said, there have been a few upsets here and there, Finland in the World Championships in 2019, but then they're so evenly matched in the final. So in the last six Olympic finals, neither team has won by more than two goals. And in six of the last seven Women's World Hockey Championship finals, they've been decided by one goal, six of the last seven, five of those in overtime. So the games, again, this is maybe a little bit recency bias, but between the men and between the women, Canada and U.S. hockey, it's always there's a lot on the line. Even if you look at the World Juniors, and we seem to play them almost every tournament, it's a lot more even now when we had that, what, strive for five and we won five gold medals in a row in the World Juniors. We were beating them a lot, but they've w- probably won as many, if not uh, as more me- more medals than we have in the last couple of years. So um, the U.S. are really improving their hockey development program. Canada has always been the dominant force. And when these two collide, like you said, with Montreal, Toronto, it's like must-see hockey. Absolutely. And then when, like, especially for, you know, the women's teams, it, like you said, it, it's always so close. They go through the entire round robin and winning ten nothing and obliterate. I don't think there's a better word, but obliterate the other the opposition out there. You're looking at like twelve nothing wins, seven nothing wins. Um, I think that what, what was there one year? I think they almost got like twenty goals one year in in one game, and it was like yeah, okay, we knew that was coming kind of thing. But then when you get to uh, the game against the U.S., it's like four three, yeah, three two. Mm-hmm. It's it's always been so close. Men's hockey is a little bit different because you know you you know you still have that those close games, but you know it's like the Crosby goal back in in the Olympics. There, where were you when that happened? I know I remember exactly where I was at. I was at George Brown in the in the kind of uh, I'm not gonna say cafeteria because I don't think that's the right word, but the like common area, and we had the projector down watching it. And I saw that goal that Crosby scored, and everyone's like, where's the puck? Where's the puck? And all you see is Crosby's hands go in the air, the gloves go in the air. And uh, I don't think anybody kind of realized it until the last second. As soon as the puck went right into the back of the net from a different angle, everyone started cheering. But, you know, even for Canada, the, the men's team, it's still a tight game. Sometimes you'll have those, like, 5-2, 6-1 games, but it's... You know, the, the both games definitely are are, are both uh, you know men's and women's teams are definitely entertaining, and they're, they're definitely there's there's not a international rivalry for hockey. There's no better rivalry than U.S. versus Canada. And it's like you said, it's interesting because when you're watching a women's tournament, you kind of know it's always going to culminate in U.S. Canada in the final. So you always kind of look forward to that moment. Yeah. 
But when you're watching men's, you don't know if it's going to happen because one of them could fall to Russia or Sweden or Finland and one of the other good countries in men's, like we said, in women's, they're they're obliterating the competition. It is starting to get a little bit better, but it's still not close. Yeah. So in men's, it's kind of this big event because you don't know it's going to happen every time, right? Yeah. So if they do meet in a, in a semifinals or a finals, and the perfect example, like you said, is the 2010 Olympics, lost to them in the round robin. It's like, oh, crap, are we going to get a chance to beat them again? Or are they going to be able to hang this over our head that they beat us in Vancouver? And then you beat them in the final, and, and you've kind of got that on them forever. So uh, like I said, close rivalry until you look at, I bring it up again because I like to <laughs> revisit it, Canada between the two is ten and two in gold medal Olympic games against the United States. Yeah, so a little bit one sided in that sense, but that's because we're the better country. Of course we are. I'm not just talking about hockey. In a lot of things, we're the better country, but you know, manners. We're definitely the better country. <laughs> sorry, sorry, America, but I just think we're better. We have stronger beer. We do have stronger. <laughs> All right, you have one more or two more. I have one more since you kind of took my first one. Um, I'm going to go to individuals again, but I'm not going to go hockey. I'm not going to go soccer. I'm going to go football. And you're going to go Eli Manning and Peyton Manning. Not Eli Manning. I'm going to go Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. Now, when you talk about goats, we're not talking about the animals. We're talking sometimes. about... Sometimes. When you want to talk about goats, obviously... The goats of football, you're going to be talking about Tom Brady. Like this guy for his age, winning all those championships, coming, going into retirement, coming back out of retirement, waiting for a media deal that's more than what Tony Romo's making right now. You know, he overall, if you saw his draft day picture, he looks like the biggest chunk on the field that I could. I remember seeing that picture. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this guy is going to win what, seven? championships and then you see uh peyton manning <laughs> mr receding hairline over there coming out after winning a game i'm gonna go drink a bud and go to disneyland with my kids it, like both both guys are are great are awesome competitors when you're looking at super bowl wins versus appearances brady has seven wins like obviously he's going to be labeled the goat for sure manning has two but one of those wins, one is a two, I think it's one of the wins, is against Brady. So for Manning himself to take down the GOAT in one championship and where it matters, and and Eli Manning, since you brought him up so, so kindly, uh, also took down the GOAT in one championship as well. But So Peyton never beat Brady for a championship, but he had to beat him on the way there. On the way there, my mistake. You can tell how much I watch football. But overall, you know, league MVPs, you got Brady with three, Manning with five. Uh, uh, Passing yards, you got Brady with almost 80,000 passing yards and Manning with just over 70,000. Both guys are great, you have to admit. Like, from the the chunk that is Brady and the the hillbilly that's uh, Manning, it's always fun but now you're starting to look at you know the future as well you got Mahomes out there you got uh, Justin Herbert as well from the Chargers you got uh, Drew Stafford right now who's kind of been in the league for a while but he's Matt Stafford see see, this is why I don't watch that much football but other than that you know the future's bright but it's hard to kind of make the impression that Brady and Manning both did it just further solidifies this point that We've grown up in this like 
amazing era of goats, essentially. You've already touched on two. You've touched on Messi and Ronaldo. You've talked about Ovi and Crosby and now Manning and Peyton Manning and, and Brady. And it kind of sucks that you don't realize it in the moment because you kind of like one and hate the other, no matter who you are as a sports fan across all these sports. You either like Messi or Ronaldo or you like Crosby or Ovechkin and you like Peyton or Brady. And you sit back now that, you know, some of them have started to retire and they're all pretty close now. And you're like, man, it would have been nice to be able to recognize that, you know, five, six years ago when they were all in their prime and realize that we might not get something like this again. You did touch on these other amazing quarterbacks, but I really don't think you see somebody or any of those rivalries between Mahomes and Herbert and Burrow and whoever the next young quarterback may be. I don't, it's not going to be on the same level as the the Brady Manning Bulls that you would see in the playoffs and whenever they played, um, you know, between the Colts and the Patriots and then eventually the Broncos. So um, interesting that you went more individual. Again, I didn't touch individual rivalries at all. And my last one, shout out to the homie Connor, is Celtic versus Rangers, the old firm derby in Scotland, specifically Glasgow. This one's historic. The first matchup you talked about December 26th, 1917 for the Leafs and Canadians. How about 1888? Jeez. 134 years ago. It's rooted in religion. You've got the Protestant Rangers and the Catholic Celtic that kind of divide Glasgow. I've been told when you go there, do not say which one you support because it it's A, rooted in religion. So they're effectively coming out and blatantly asking what your religion is, but you also might get punched in the face. So <laughs> sounds like a that, fun time for that reason. Go to a game by all means, but do not, if in a bar and confronted with which one you support, don't say which one you support. Uh, it's close fought. We talked about how some of these other rivalries were close. 167 Rangers wins, 160 Celtic wins, and 100 ties. Jeez. They've won a combined 106 of the 124 Scottish championships. It's like 55 to 51. Or sorry, Celtic just won. So 55 to 52, 107 of the 125 Scottish championships. The last championship that was won by a team that wasn't Rangers or Celtic was in 1985. Damn. They usually finish first, second. There's 32 runners up each. So... 32 runners up so out of 100 and wayne first your last rangers finish you know rangers of 55 wins and 32 runners up celtic 52 and 32 this rivalry between the fans is also savage they schedule games earlier in the day and they do it on purpose and they don't serve booze in stadiums to avoid drunken fights between the groups of fans which plagued these matches in the 70s and 80s it divides families across the city of Glasgow. Again, Connor is a huge Rangers fan because of his family. So his dad and his grandfather before him. And they don't talk about football when they go to family gatherings. Here in Canada, it, it might be okay. But if you're going over there to visit family in, in the UK, he's like, we don't talk about it because we just get into a fist fight. So, you know, I have some friends that are Montreal Canadiens fans. I wouldn't fight them because they said they were Montreal Canadiens fans. If you're willing to fight your grandmother over the fact <laughs> that she's a Celtic fan and you're a Rangers fan, I think that's what puts this rivalry for me at the top as as the most fierce rivalry. And just the pure domination of these two teams within Scotland. Like I said, they've won like 90% of the championships. Um, you know, it's kind of that Canada-US women's dominance uh 
the fact that somebody hasn't won the title in 37 years, that's not one of those two teams. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty fucking fierce rivalry. So shout out to, to Rangers and Celtic. Shout out to Connor for picking such a... Jeez, man, come on. 50, what was it? 52 to 50... 55 titles to 52, yeah. Jeez. And over 100 years of rivalry. 134 years was their first game. Wow. Yep. Leave it to soccer fans to, sorry, football fans to have a rivalry that long, a rivalry so bad that you punch a grandma over it. (laughs) Alrighty. Uh, We'll be right back with our sidebar. All right, we're back in our sidebar. This week is best bar appetizer. I like bar appetizers because they're usually greasy as shit. Oh, yeah. Nice little uh, base before you're going to get your <laughs> drink <From> grease. <laughs> base of grease before you get your drink on. Or if you're hungover, it's the perfect cure. So, Danny, what's your favorite bar appetizer? See, I'm I'm old fashioned. I'm, I'm not the type of guy that says, you know, let's grab a thing of nachos. Let's get some pizza because, you know, I'm not a huge grease guy, but... My favorite thing, and you, you've seen every time we go to, to a bar, is if we're having a, a drink, I like just ordering a small thing of fries. Just a little small finger food. Doesn't bother me that much. I still get to enjoy my beer, and I don't feel like I'm sweating the grease out of me after. But yeah, I'd be, I'd be just you know normal basket of fries kind of guy. Two of the last three times we went to a bar, you said, so, nachos? <laughs> uh, two out of the last three times we went to a bar, I was also a couple of beers deep. But besides the fact... Uh, no, I would say fries. Yeah. Fries are a good one. Uh, nachos, obviously, if you're sharing, because if you're ordering a, a thing of nachos for yourself, that's not an appetizer. That's your full meal. And that's a little bit too much. Um, my favorite bar appetizer is matzo sticks. Oh, yeah. And three words that sum up matzo sticks are cheesy, gooey goodness. Yeah, I have nothing else to say about matzo sticks. Do you have anything else to say about french fries? Is there a rivalry between the two of them? I don't think so. <laughs> There's no rivalry. I put a little bit of truffle on it. Got some nice truffle fries. Can't put some truffle on some matzo sticks, can you? You can do whatever you want to matzo sticks. And that about does it for this episode of the Sports Bar Debates podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you've come this far and like what you heard, you might like what we have in store. If that's the case, follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Or if you disagree with our thoughts from this episode and you think that there's a better, more historic, fierce rivalry than Rangers versus Celtic, feel free to join the debate on Twitter at Bar Debates, and we'll see you in two Tuesdays. Cheers. Have a good one, guys.